Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Primal Potential is about you. Your ability to change is not defined by yesterday and doesn't need to wait until tomorrow. Your transformation is now. Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton. Thank you so much for joining me today. We are nearing the end of the year, and I wanted to do an episode that would be fun and helpful and hopefully collaborative. I'm going to be sharing with you today 10 ideas that I feel are worth spreading, and I would love for you to add to the list. Obviously, I'm sharing from my perspective, and I think we all benefit from being exposed to each other's perspectives. So I thought it would be cool to do a little giveaway from me to you if you tag me on Instagram at Elizabeth Benton with a picture slash screenshot of you playing this episode and include your idea for an idea worth spreading, what you think is worth spreading, concept, mindset, perspective, anything at all, you could win a $100 gift card to Fabletics. This is not from Fabletics. It is from me. I mean, it is a gift card to Fabletics, but this one is on me. I will put together a random drawing of everybody who does that tags me on Instagram at Elizabeth Benton in a picture of them listening to the podcast. You don't have to be in the picture. Just a screenshot of your device is totally fine and include something that you believe is an idea worth spreading. And I will announce the winner on Instagram. I'm at Elizabeth Benton on its Instagram, if you didn't figure that out already. Uh, I will announce who has won the $100 gift card to Fabletics on Instagram. Little side note, I did a blog post the other day on my five favorite items from Fabletics. I think there's like two bras, two pairs of leggings, and maybe a sweatshirt. But five of my favorites up on the blog at primalpotential.com. Before we dive into the 10 ideas I believe are worth spreading. I want to remind you of something that I shared in episode 536, and that is registration is now open for the winter 12 weeks to transformation. Working with me for 12 weeks beginning in January, you can register now. If you don't know what that is, how it works, the details, what's included, how much it costs, etc., etc. Listen to episode 536 of the podcast. I will link to that in the show notes for today's episode. You can find the show notes for today's episode at primalpotential.com forward slash 537. There you will find the link to episode 536, easy enough to get to, uh, as well as a replay of a webinar training that I did for folks who are on the wait list that goes into a lot of details about what it is like to work with me and what kind of things we work on, how we do it, how it's different, all that good stuff. But registration is now open. 
for that winter coaching group. If you want to work with me directly, join me live every week, get coaching messages from me every single day, be a part of a private Facebook group that I'm active in every day, plus weekly changes or no, weekly challenges, although changes is appropriate, weekly challenges aimed at you taking action to create change and enjoy the process instead of continuing to struggle or continuing to plan or continuing to wish you can go directly to primalpotential.com forward slash transform to register. Primalpotential.com forward slash transform to register. Or if you can't remember that link or you can't find the show notes, you can just DM me on Instagram, direct message me, or go to the show notes page for today's episode. You'll be all set. All right. I wanted to do a fun thing. I was inspired by... TED Talks, right? Because TED Talks are all about ideas worth sharing, worth spreading. And I created a list of 10 of my own. Some of them are my own novel thoughts. Others are thoughts that I have heard or been exposed to from other people. These are in no particular order, and I'm excited to hear what you would add to the list, my ideas worth spreading. And the first one is, I shared this the other day, on Instagram and also I think last week in a VIP email, that your attitude is the difference between a struggle and an adventure. Your attitude is the difference between something being a burden and something being a journey. And I think more people need this perspective. We can think about it in one of the most obvious ways, eating well, cleaning up your food choices. Your attitude is the difference between that being an ordeal and that being an adventure. Yes, you can absolutely moan and complain and make yourself a victim of it, or you can choose an attitude of adventure. I want to see just how great I can feel. I'm so excited to become a healthier version of myself or to overcome my cravings. I'm excited about what I am doing. This is something I'm doing for myself, not to myself. And this perspective is not just about the changes we're trying to make for our health or change at all. This perspective that your attitude is the difference between something being difficult and something being exciting can be applied to the smallest little things in your life. My cheesy example from my own simple life, there's this intersection. I mean, this is such a small scale example, but it goes to show that you can apply this perspective to anything. There's this intersection near my house that gets pretty crazy. Once in a blue moon, you can approach this intersection, there's no lights, and pull right through. But more often than not, you're going to be waiting for a while. And sometimes I will go four miles out of the way just to avoid that intersection. When I am in the car with my boyfriend, he's almost always driving. And when he has to wait for more than like 60 seconds, his pattern is to get irritated and agitated. Oh my gosh, are you serious? This traffic, blah, blah, blah. And his attitude is what makes it an ordeal. And a different attitude could make it not an ordeal at all. So I like to use this intersection as an opportunity to practice changing my perspective and our experience of this silly little intersection. Sometimes as we're approaching it, maybe we're 500 yards out, I'll say something like, this is so cheesy, but very me. How many countries can you name that begin with the letter A? (laughs) Which is so random. I know, it's so random. 
But it's interesting to me because he's really good at geography and I am not at all. I mean, <laughs> I think I'd be stuck at like three. Uh, but he can keep going and going and going. And sometimes that waiting at the intersection will just give him more time to think about it and he won't even notice that we've been waiting there for four or five minutes. Or other times, if I'm not feeling cheesy enough to ask like a random trivia question, I'll say, all right, let's make a bet. How many cars are going to go by before we can safely pull out? And then it's not an ordeal. We're distracted by counting the number of cars. Again, it's silly, but it makes a difference. A difference. Your attitude. Sorry, I have a cold. I'm like choking on myself right now. It's all good. It's all good. Nothing to see here. This applies to in workouts. In fact, you know, I'm going to pull up really quickly something that I read about this in a post from CompTrain. It didn't come from CompTrain. I'll link to the actual post in the show notes, but it's very applicable to this perspective that our attitude is the difference between something being a burden and something being very pleasant. So this is the post, and again, I will link to the actual post in the show notes, but it says, are you an energy-sucking vampire? <laughs> a little strong off the start, but bear with me. It says, I know I've been guilty of it. An energy-sucking vampire is someone who drains us of energy. We only have so much energy in a day, and when we complain, gossip, or whine, we waste it. It's a choice. Choosing to complain makes us weaker. It can be so tempting to complain or gossip. Sometimes we even do it to build camaraderie. I see it in the gym setting all the time. Complaining makes for easy conversation and arguably bonding. Simple remarks like, I hate wall balls or assault bike is the worst or I hate the cold weather are seemingly innocent but unproductive. They suck energy from the room. They make us weaker. As an example, and I'm still reading from this post, as an example, I have observed tough workouts where an athlete shouts, this sucks. Suddenly, the focus of the athletes in the class changes from putting forth their best effort to how hard they're breathing, how hard they're breathing, how badly their quads burn, and how quitting or slowing down would be easier. It totally drains momentum. I have also worked out with athletes who shout motivating remarks throughout the workout. It's crazy how their positive comment cultivates energy in the room. Suddenly, the hardworking group is working a little bit harder. And that little bit harder applied to every workout over days, weeks, months, and years is significant. It differentiates the good from the great. It finishes by saying, This is an idea I learned from CompTrain when I attended their camp. They say that complaining is a contagious disease. Let's wash our hands of it. Don't pass it on. When we are tempted to complain, we can ask ourselves, do I want to become stronger or weaker? We only have so much energy in a day. Let's choose to make the most of it. Your attitude is the difference between something feeling like a burden or something feeling like an adventure. The second idea worth spreading, in my opinion, is that short-term strategies are short-term solutions. Or said another way, short-term strategies deliver short-term results. And I think at this time of the year, we all need to spread this idea, especially to ourselves. When you take on any change, 
whether it's a Whole30, a detox, shake a day, or anything unrelated to food. Whatever it is, I want you to ask yourself, can I happily maintain this as part of my life for the rest of my life? And if the answer is no, I want you to remind yourself that short-term strategies deliver short-term results. There is nothing more frustrating than working hard to get a result only to realize six weeks later that you've totally undone your progress and you have to re-earn that success again and again. Short-term strategies are short-term solutions. If you want long-term results, you cannot get them with a short-term strategy. The third idea worth spreading, and I have to give credit to Chris Harder. He has a podcast called For the Love of Money. He brought this one to my attention, and it is a perspective primarily about money that has really been a game changer for me. And it is very simply out earn the challenge. Whatever the challenge is, out earn it. And I'm happy to add a little bit of context to this. I am a saver when it comes to money. Now, I've not always been good with money or responsible with money. In fact, one of the stories I tell in my upcoming book, January 10th, by the way, mark your calendars, January 10th, especially for the podcast on January 10th, where I'll be sharing a little bit more about the book. Anyway, One of the stories I tell in the book is about how when I got a tuition reimbursement from my employer for some of my master's coursework, instead of applying that to my loans where it was intended to go, where it should have gone, I went out and bought new furniture that I did not need because I wanted to impress my mom who was coming to visit. So crazy. Anyway, back to out earn the challenge. One thing that I'm working to overcome in my own thinking is a perspective of scarcity related to money. And this perspective of scarcity is not tied to how much money I have because I've had this perspective when I've had no money in my checking account and I've had this perspective when I've had a lot of money in my checking account. It's fear that I won't have enough that something will go wrong, that I'm not prepared. My tendency, based on this perspective of scarcity, has been to always be looking for ways to cut back, ways to save more, ways to spend less. And I don't think that that's wrong in all cases, but I do believe that for me it's been limiting because I haven't been operating from a place of feeling empowered. I've been operating from a place of feeling afraid. So this idea that I learned from Chris Harder, out-earn the challenge, has allowed me or prompted me to overcome my own fear by instead of saying spend less, say no to the opportunity, alternatively, say yes, resist the fear, and then hustle, out-earn the challenge, whatever it is, instead of being fearful, be determined, be creative, be resourceful, out-earn the challenge. And this is not a perspective or an idea that is strictly related to finances because you can outwork the challenge, right? It can be out-earn the challenge. It can be outwork the challenge. But the point is, don't stay in fear. Get into action. Learn, grow, try, be creative. And as we'll talk more about, stop complaining. The fourth idea worth spreading is press past fear. 
go beyond fear. Very much related to number three, right? Out earn the challenge. But in everything, and I talked about this a lot in episode 543 related to insecurity, but don't let fear dictate your choices or limit your options. We live lives of scarcity or not enough because we believe in that story of not enough. We claim it. We cling to it. And I shared an experience in uh, the VIP email from two Sundays ago. It's related to the out-earn the challenge message, but more directly related to pressing past fear instead of letting it stop us. And I'm going to read it to you here. But I do want to differentiate that when I say press past fear, I am not talking about danger. Fear and danger are two very, very different things. I talk a lot about the differences in my book, January 10th. Um, Not so subtle subliminal messaging there. But uh, let me read to you this VIP email that reinforces this notion of pressing past fear. It says, episode 543 of the podcast was one of the most popular ones I've done to date. In it, we talked about insecurity, fear of judgment, and refusing to restrict your life to the presence of your fears. I shared that one huge thing I'm working on is refusing to submit to fear. I don't want fears, or even just more benign thoughts, about what others think of my body to influence what I wear, for example. I don't want fears of what people might think to stop me from getting up to dance at a bar. I don't want fears of other people's opinions to limit what I say or what I share in my own life or in my business. So here is what I've been telling myself. This goes back to number one. There's a ton of overlap here, and rightfully so, I think. What I've been telling myself over and over again as I practice is that the difference between something I'm afraid of And something I'm excited about is the perspective I choose. I got a major chance to practice what I preach just last week. I was accepted into an elite and very expensive business mastermind. And the only thing holding me back from joining was fear. The only thing keeping me from accepting the invitation was fear. And all sorts of different kinds of fears. Fear of spending such a huge sum of money. Fear of stepping far outside my comfort zone, fear of commitment, fear of not fitting in. And focused on those fears, on the risks that I thought my fears substantiated and my discomfort, I told the mastermind host that I needed to think about it and that I would email him the following day. And about three minutes after I said that, I got honest with myself and I emailed him. And the subject line of the email was, I'm in. And I basically said, you know, like, these were the things that I thought I had to figure out. And then I said, those things don't need to be figured out today. And the thinking is just considering my fears. And I don't care to consider my fears or let them inform my actions. When I told him that I'd think about it, I was just buying myself time to consider and reconsider and reconsider and reconsider all those fears. But that's not who I want to be. I don't want to let my fears influence my actions. I don't want to continue to limit my life just to the boundaries of my fears and my worries. The difference between something I'm afraid of and something I'm excited about is the perspective I choose. Which takes us back to, again, number one, that first idea worth spreading. That the difference between a struggle and an excitement is your perspective. 
All right. The fifth idea worth spreading is give less energy to the problem and more energy to the solution. I love this one. And if you were a fly on the wall this week while I was on the phone with a bunch of clients, you would have heard me say it over and over and over and over. I've had, gosh, I don't know, nine or 10 client calls so far um, in the last couple of days. And the most common pattern is that they would lead off with a story about the problem. And while I get that in their minds they're explaining the problem, what they're really doing is arguing for it. And I've reminded them, almost without exception, that their whole world will shift when they take the energy that they've been giving to the complexity of the problem and instead give that energy to acting on the simplicity of today's solution. Big difference. Giving energy to the problem in the example of consistency, can look like, I'm so inconsistent. I can do well for a couple of days, but then the wheels fall off the bus and I go from caring to not caring, from trying to not trying, and I feel awful. I don't know what's wrong with me. That is giving your energy to the problem. That's what most people do. Giving your energy to the solution looks like, I want to be more consistent. And consistency is a choice. What will I do today to choose consistency? I shared on Instagram the other day a Russell Brand quote that says, when you justify your problems, you recommit to them. In my book, January 10th, there's an entire chapter about being a solution person and catching yourself when your energy is going to the problem and redirecting it to how you will participate in the solution today. It's one of my mantras. I am a solution person. Just in the last week, I've had multiple opportunities to practice this, and it's a game changer. I have shared that I am in the process of buying a house. And the first inspection, the house was built in the 1700s. The first inspection, or the only inspection, was totally fine, no issues. The first appraisal was a nightmare, like nothing I'd ever experienced before. Essentially, the appraiser didn't even complete the appraisal. He told me to my face that everything was fine. It looked great. No issues. And then an hour later, emailed the bank and said, don't lend on this property. This is a disaster. This is a disaster. This is a safety hazard. This needs to be torn down, yada, yada, yada. And my attorney, agents on both sides, and just myself, we we were all like, wait, what? This is so bizarre. And essentially, everyone was kind of resigned to the fact that the deal was more or less dead. I mean, the bank won't lend. The bank is the one that hires the independent appraiser. And the appraiser saying, don't loan on this property. The bank is saying, sorry, we can't. But I am a solution person. So while in the past I might have stayed in my problems, this is crap. This is awful. He's just a bad appraiser. He's never done a historic home, blah, 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 blah. And I certainly had my moments of that. Don't get me wrong. But what I turned to very quickly was I am a solution person. I had been working with a small local bank, and so I called the 800 number and I said, "Um, I am in the process of becoming a customer of yours for a home loan, and I have a challenge that I'd like to speak to somebody about. Can I speak to the president (laughs) of the bank? (laughs) I didn't get to the president of the bank, but I did after a day or so end up on the phone with the vice president of residential lending. And I explained the situation very calmly. And I said, what are our options here? 
I said, I can imagine a couple of options. Uh, Obviously, I can go to a different bank. I can walk away from the loan. I know that you guys don't typically call for a second appraisal because your appraisers are independent, but I also believe that you can have a bad doctor, that you can get a misdiagnosis. And I wondered what our options were. Long story short, we got a second appraisal that came back worlds different from the first one. And allowed us to proceed. Now, I still haven't closed on the property, but that's not really the point. The point is I didn't stop there. I just had my car in for service and uh, I drive a 2016 Jeep Grand Cherokee. So it's still a fairly new car, still has less than 50,000 miles. But for the last year, I've had an intermittent problem where the car just doesn't start. Like the push button just clicks and clicks and clicks and it doesn't start. And I've had it serviced for this multiple times and then a few months go by and the problem reappears. So when I brought it in this time, they gave me a dollar figure and said, you know, that it was no longer, the car was no longer under the bumper to bumper warranty, so I'd have to pay out of pocket. But I'm a solution person. And so in my mind, this was an issue that has been documented prior to the expiration of the bumper to bumper warranty. So I called Jeep Corporate and I said, hey, look, this is what happened. What are our options here? Because it seems to me that a documented problem should be covered under warranty because it wasn't fixed the first time around. And I have the documentation with the service records, with pictures, with videos, et cetera, et cetera. So now I have an open case with Jeep Corporate. I don't know what's going to happen, but what I do know is that taking action to be a solution person feels infinitely better than whining and complaining about the problem where no progress is possible. All right. The sixth idea worth spreading, if I can trust my math, don't know we'll see, is that maximum effort feels amazing. Maximum effort feels amazing. And I would say I would say feels way better than minimum effort or kind of sort of effort. This is an idea worth spreading. And this is the opposite of most people's standard operating procedure and certainly the standard operating procedure that I had for most of my life, which was what's the least amount of work I can do, you know, like, What's the least degree of organization I can have with my finances so that I don't feel stressed out? What is the minimum effective dose nutritionally for weight loss? Said another way, like how often can I get away with indulging and like not gain weight? Or what's the minimum amount of working out I need to do? The least amount of effort is typically what we are looking for. But doing the minimum doesn't give us a life of our maximum potential. It doesn't give us, when we do the minimum, we don't get maximum health. We don't get maximum connection. We don't get maximum joy when we have an operating system of talking ourselves into the least amount of work we could do. Do you even know what it would feel like to give maximum effort in a specific area of your life for a month? And if your answer isn't a hell yes, I know, then you need to give yourself that experience. This idea has a full chapter in the book, January 10th. Put it on your calendar. Number seven, the measure of my success is my joy. That's an idea worth spreading. The measure of my success is my joy. You guys have heard me say this before. It's a quote that's all over my house. Uh, My friend Shira Nelson posted a John Maxwell quote that really reminds me of this. And it says, success is when I add value to myself. Significance is when I add value to others. The measure of my success is my joy. 
joy. That is an idea that I want to spread. Can we stop saying busy when somebody asks us how we are, please? I used to be so guilty of that. I was measuring my days by how much I got done. But there's no joy in that. I wasn't joyful. I might have been satisfied or felt accomplished when I checked everything off my to-do list, but that's not a life full of joy. In fact, I would say for me, it was often a life devoid of joy when everything was just check the box of task, 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 task. But I'm not on this earth to be a taskmaster. That is not the measure of my success. The measure of my success is my joy. And yes, we all have a lot to do. We all have obligations and responsibilities and opportunities and very full lives. But that doesn't mean that we can't prioritize joy. And joy does not require that we jet set to Tahiti with no responsibilities. We can create small moments of joy. And there's a book about meditation that refers to it as thin slices of joy, which I love every day in little ways, blasting your favorite song to start the day playing a game with your spouse or your kids. What will you do today to create joy, to feel a moment of joy, or to give a moment of joy to somebody else? My success is not measured by my weight. My success is not measured by my performance in the gym or by my bank account. The measure of my success is my joy. All right, the eighth idea worth spreading is something that I talked about in episode 544. Go check that out if you haven't already. I'll link to it in the show notes as well. The eighth idea worth spreading is give more time, effort, and attention on understanding how other people see things than to explaining how you do. This is something I'm practicing with all my friends and my family. I want to understand how you feel about this and why. I want to understand your perspective and why. I want to know how you're feeling when you say that or you do that instead of see it my way, understand my point, hear me, get it, get it through your head that this is the way it is, my way. Because as I mentioned in 544, we all already know how we feel about it and we don't grow or connect When our priority is to get somebody else to see it or do it our way, we grow and we connect more and we have more peace when our priority is understanding other people. Episode 544 goes much more deeply into that if you're like, huh? The ninth idea worth spreading is figure yourself out instead of trying to figure it all out. Right? We spend so much time trying to learn the right way from somebody else, reading and listening and studying and wanting somebody else to answer our questions. And what I'm saying is look to see what you can learn from your body, from your choices, from your experiences, instead of putting that burden on somebody else to tell you the way it ought ought to be. Whether it's like, can you do an episode on XYZ? I need to know if this is good for me, healthy for me, et cetera, et cetera. And I get it. I'm happy to do those episodes. But what I want you to value more is your own experience. Instead of, is intermittent fasting good for women? The perspective of, is intermittent fasting good for me? How do I feel when I'm doing it? Do I like doing it? How's my energy? 
What happens to my body? Do I feel like I can sustain it? Does this feel like a long-term strategy for me? I talked in episode 536 about how the learning model isn't going to get you change. When we approach things with the learning model, collecting information, gathering other people's opinions, what we get is learning, which is entirely different from changing. Your body is going to give you infinitely more accurate answers than I ever could. Because we're not here to learn. We're here to change. Unless you're writing a research paper, right? Put whatever it is you want to know into action and learn from you. And that is really the essence of the work that I'm trying to do with my clients in my 12 Weeks to Transformation. We act, we do, we practice, we observe, and we adjust. Learn from you, from your practice. And the 10th and final idea worth spreading until you share with me what you think is an idea worth spreading is something I mentioned earlier, and that is very simply, stop complaining. Please, let's stop complaining. We are so addicted to our stories about what is wrong instead of to our appreciation of what is right. Let's stop complaining. Let's be those people who are done complaining. Can't wait to see who tags me on Instagram with a picture of this podcast playing on their device and what idea they think is worth spreading. And one of you will win a $100 Fabletics gift card from me. I want to wrap up with a meal that I loved recently as well as a workout that I kind of loved recently. It was so hard, but I loved that I made it through. The salad, so I've been buying this salad from a little pizza place down the road from me, but it would be so easy to make myself and certainly less expensive. It is a big salad where I would say there's probably three or four cups of mixed greens. So no spinach because I am avoiding spinach still based on the Viome episode I did around 508-ish. It's mixed greens, cucumbers, roasted red peppers, which I love, A tiny bit of feta cheese, which if I were making it myself, I'd use goat cheese. I have a higher tolerance for that. Raw red onion, which in small amounts, I think adds so much texture and flavor. And chicken. When I make it at home, I use the Primal Kitchen brand balsamic uh, balsamic dressing, and I will link to that in the show notes. I save about three-ish dollars a bottle when I get it from Thrive Market versus if I get it at Whole Foods. And the workout I loved that totally kicked my tail was 10 rounds, and you're doing one round every three minutes, of seven calories on the assault bike and eight hand-release push-ups. So a hand-release push-up basically means that when you're at the bottom of the push-up, your hands come up off the floor, and then you put them down again, and then you push up. Uh, The seven calories on the assault bike doesn't take a lot of time. I was going max out sprint, though, so my seven calories were taking me about 15, 16 seconds, But you're then so winded that you need that recovery time. Even though there's a lot of rest built in, it is so needed. Round five, I was like, I think I might throw up. But I made it through. Didn't puke. Feel really great about it. Hope you guys enjoyed these 10 ideas worth spreading. Let us all live them, choose them, share them. And I can't wait to hear what ideas you think are worth spreading. Make it a great day. 
Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Primal Potential Podcast, where my goal is not to inform you, but to transform you. And if you would like to receive free motivation and strategy and recipes, workouts, meal ideas every week right to your inbox, just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. It's a great way to get the tools, the strategies, and the practical implementation assistance that you need to create your own transformation between podcast episodes. Just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. See you there.